everyone, and welcome to episode 252 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Tracy Lee. Hi, everybody. How's it going? It's going all right. You seem to be on the show like every third week or something. Is that totally weird? <laughs> Last time I was on the show, I was just here for moral support with Ben. Maybe yep. he didn't need it, but maybe I needed it that day or something. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I've been doing so much stuff in the JavaScript community lately. So, yeah, I feel like um, a lot of times I feel like uh, I'm talking to everybody every single week. You know, it's like we actually work together or something. <laughs> yeah, well, we're happy to have you on. And this week we're talking about contributor days. Do you want to give us kind of a brief intro to what that is? Sure. Um, so Contributor Days is this event where we bring together a bunch of really awesome people and we feature different frameworks. So the ones that we have going on are RxJS Contributor Days, Angular Contributor Days, and React Contributor Days. We're also thinking about doing some for React Native, GraphQL, etc. Um, but I think uh, one thing that – there's sort of two things. One thing is people in – these libraries and frameworks, giving them the ability to connect with large consumers of the different frameworks and libraries and be able to help facilitate conversations that are important. So a great example is for RxJS, um, they are going to be releasing a new architecture and getting people like the Angular core team or at New Clyde, which is part of Facebook, one of Facebook's products, Microsoft, et cetera, in the room and make sure that the decisions that are about to be made um, have a positive effect on the different consumers. It's going to be good. Um, and then also hopefully helping contributors that contribute to open source that maybe haven't contributed to RxJS, provide them with a way to like get to know the framework or library and um actually participate. So Angular is going to be really cool because there's so many huge companies that we never hear about that are using Angular. So getting them to come to contributor days and tell their stories about how they use Angular, it's really going to help the, op the actual open source contributors who are writing the different things for Angular, um, provide them with like better insight on like, okay, maybe we should be looking at it this way because the largest consumers are actually, you know, we're not addressing XYZ problems. So is this something that you can This episode is sponsored by Compose.io. Databases are arguably the most difficult part of the stack to manage. The last thing you want is to wake up at 4 a.m. because the database failed and you have no backups. Compose has all that covered for you, so rest assured your database is fast, reliable, and always on. It's production-ready cloud databases on AWS and GCP for SoftLayer. So go check them out. You can pick from nine databases, including MongoDB, Elasticsearch, Redis, RethinkDB, MySQL, and one of the latest, ScyllaDB, which is a fast drop-in replacement for Cassandra. All databases come with guaranteed RAM, IOPs, and CPU that auto-scale. Automatic daily and on-demand backups, high availability nodes, security you can count on with, with private VLAN, IP whitelisting, SSH and SSL, two-factor authentication, and much more. Deploy your database in minutes and they'll take care of all of the administrative tasks like patches and upgrades. Setup is fast and easy, so go try them out for 30 days free at compose.com devchat. So is this something that you can attend virtually or is this something you would actually have to be at in person? 
So Contributor Days, um, you can go to ContributorDays.com and you can actually apply for Contributor Days. Um, and what we do is we, we select a very, um, ha- you know, a handful of people and some will be remote and some will be in person. It just depends on the uh, framework or library that we're working with. But I think one of the other cool things is um, we will be recording bits and pieces of it. So at least if you're not able to attend for any reason, you're at least able to get a peek into, you know, like what exactly is happening. Like, like Amy, I kind of wish uh, TC39 was recorded just so we could see all yeah. the excitement happening there. Totally. Would you like that? That would be awesome. So I will like plug another podcast. I don't know if they're still doing it, but read the source. Sounds like something somewhat familiar. Like that was always really valuable when I watched that. Really? Read the source. What was that about? Uh, it's a podcast and they would have, um, I'm pretty sure they did it like parts of the Angular, you know, the Angular one code base. Um, oh, interesting. they did like, there was a node streams one that was really, really good, but it's the people that do the web platform podcast. Um, but they would have, you know, one of the main maintainers of whatever library go through the actual source code. Yeah, or they would invite other guests. Uh, you know, like yeah. if they did a Ruby one, they might invite some Ruby rogues guy. And yeah, uh, in other words, I was on one of the episodes and we talked about a Ruby project. But yeah, okay, I, I didn't contribute to that, but uh, you know, I could ask insightful questions because I'm a Ruby expert or something Definitely. like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> so modest. They, that's what they told me. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're a Ruby expert, I don't know about that. You want to come on our show? Yeah, I'll always do a podcast. Yeah, but I think that's one of the things. um, You know, I wanted to do contributor days because there, you know, you hear a lot of um, complaints about. You you know, there there's people who are involved in the community who spend a lot of time uh, building relationships and like reading through GitHub issues and engaging on Twitter and seeing the latest news, right? But I think for the majority of people. Like sometimes when decisions are made, you're just thinking, what, like, why did you do this to me? You know? So, um, maybe even error functions, you know, in 2015, but, uh, hopefully what this does is it helps provide the video we'll be creating. Hopefully it helps provide a little, uh, bit of a window into this thing. And hopefully it makes people feel more comfortable or gives them a better understanding of why these decisions are made. Uh Um, Oh yeah, go ahead. So yeah, I was going to ask one other question. So is it geared towards people of all levels? Is it going to be somewhat beginner friendly as well? Um, RX Contributor Days, just to give you an idea of the people who are coming for Contributor Days, it's not for people who um, have never contributed to open source. It So Andre Stoltz, who um, was on the RxJS core team, will be there, Ori Goldstein, from Meteor and GraphQL, Igor from the Angular core team, Evan Yu, who created Vue.js, um, John Cooperman of Brave, like Jeff Cross from Narwhal, um, Paul Betts from Slack. Like those types of people will be there. Rob Wormald from the core team. Um, but I think, I actually have it on contributor days. Like apply if you're a senior level developer and know how to contribute because those are the types of conversations we want to facilitate. But then um, I've received a few emails already from people who maybe haven't or who are beginner. And I'm trying to figure out um, for those people who are excited about something like this, how do they get involved somehow? Because I think everybody's always just looking for a way to get involved. Well, and the thing is, I, I talk to a lot of new programmers. I don't know 
how that happens all the time, but um, a lot of the time when I'm talking to them, yeah, they're looking at it and they're going, how do I get involved with these projects or how, you know, I've contributed to some small projects, but you know, these seem like big things like RxJS or Angular, you know, they've got, um, it's a large code base. There are a lot of users and they just don't know where to get involved. And I like the idea of getting together either virtually or in person and just saying, all right, here are all the people that are involved. Um, you know, let's have this conversation and talk about how we can make this stuff happen. And, you know, then they can sit next to somebody, they can talk about a particular issue they can help with, and pretty soon they're off and running and, and contributing to that project. And all they really needed was a little bit of, you know, confidence that they were going in the right direction to get the work done. Yeah, there's this one um, other project that I'm working on. <laughs> I'm working on way too many projects this year. But the, <laughs> the, I'm sure you guys feel me. It's called this.javascript. And uh, we just did it. Um, our first one was this Saturday. And it was Mishko from the Angular team, Evan Yu from Vue.js, um, who else was it? Ben Lesh from RxJS, Matthew Beal from Ember, and then Dan Abramov from React, and then Rob Dodson from Polymer. So all core team members or creators of these different frameworks and libraries. And I think this, again, goes with the whole like idea of if you're if you're like deep in the JavaScript community and you spend all your time uh, messing around on Twitter and, and GitHub, et cetera, you have the ability to know what's going on, but that is not everybody. So creating this platform that allows, uh, we do it every quarter. So creating a platform that allows people to like give a 15 minute update of like what's going on, even if it's nothing that exciting, right? Uh -huh. um, and then we do an AMA a month later so hopefully like people can just like, again, have that open platform where it's actually constructive conversation versus this like, I hate you. Why are you doing React Fiber? How could you do another rewrite? What the hell's Angular 2? You know, like, how about we have productive conversations in the community? So that, that's a really great one for beginners. <laughs> so, so what's the structure of this? Because it looks like people are getting together in Silicon Valley in a couple days as we record this. So yeah. Uh, so everybody listening, the RxJS event was awesome. Because <laughs> it will have already uh, happened when this goes live. But the Angular one's coming up. So what, what is this going to look like? Um, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be led by uh, Mishko Hevery, uh, Igor Minar, Jules Kramer, Stephen Fluent, and Rob Wormald, which again are all part of the Angular core team. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll probably have some sort of roundtable type thing that's probably going to be about 20 to 30 people, um, in the room and just be having like good conversations about, um, what, like what, where's Angular going? What's happening? What are the concerns? Like just really open sort of free flowing things. And also I think a lot of contributors in open source, they, they work on one specific thing, right? Like Sean Larkin works on Webpack or Mike Brocky works on Angular CLI or, um, whatever. And sometimes they don't hear the, the things that each other are working on, or sometimes they don't realize that like, maybe like they're all having the same concerns. So this provides everybody with like an ability to sort of unify the voices in the community and also allow the Angular team to like tell people like, Hey, what do you guys think of this and test out ideas? And again, like a constructive manner. And then hack sessions. So we'll probably have the afternoon of just like hacking away, whether it's helping helping people transition to X or, or whatever, like RxJS, for example, will probably be spending a lot of the time, um, thinking about how to like 
upgrade from Angular, or sorry, RxJS 4 to 5, because that seems to be an issue, or talk about API changes and things like that. So is this something that you see like ongoing? Because we have like one event planned for each of these. Is it something that you think we'd do once a year, every couple months? We'll probably do it once a year. I like your guys' idea, though, of having sort of more of a beginner level one. Um, those are always hard because I think maybe if we did an application, uh, like you had to apply to do it, it'd be better. But, you, you know, it's always a balance. I'm sure you guys know it's like having an educational session of what is open source? How do I do my first PR? Um, or like, how do I contribute? Or what even is this framework? Like those conversations make it less impactful. So trying to figure out what the best way to do that. Maybe it's like watching Kent C. Dodd's uh, videos on um, <laughs> how to contribute. And it's like, okay, that's a prerequisite for like coming to this, coming to this event or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know we'll that um, when I was in the Rails community for a little bit, they have like the Rails Girls Summer of Code. And mm -hmm. um, some people could correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if I recall, this is like an internship and they would work on various open source projects. So mm -hmm. I wonder if there could be something like that that would be really cool, not just for um, like bootcamp graduates, but maybe like college students and um, people potentially a little bit younger. Yeah, that's a really yeah, good idea. Yeah, that could be interesting. And as far as I know, that's how it works, too. <laughs> I'm not an expert on that particular program, though. I hear about it every year. Um, but, yeah, it, another thing that's interesting that the Rails or Ruby and Rails communities used to do, they don't do it as much anymore, is they would have major code um, or bug hunts. And so they would go through the reported bugs list on Rails or in on Ruby. And then, you know, people would either go and try and duplicate the bugs that were hard to duplicate, or they would... Um, go in and actually send in pull requests for the bugs that were submitted. And so over the course of a week or a weekend, um, the core team would get a bunch of pull requests, you know, from different teams who had been assigned out a different bug. And, uh, you know, they, they'd get, you know, either better instrumentation to find the bug or they'd get, you know, usually it was actually a fix for the bug. And so they'd be able to go review it, verify that it fixed the bug, and then add it back into the code. It's kind of a, you know, you hear voices on Twitter and um, I one voice voices is, off Twitter too. Yes. Well, I don't know if you have to get that checked out or what, but <laughs> um, James Kyle has been very um, uh, loud and upset these days because, you know, he's, he, he told stories about burning out on open source and um, here I am trying to get people to contribute more to open source. Um, but I, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting balance, this open source thing and uh, just hearing varying opinions on like, should I do this? Should I not? At the same time, I hear a lot of um, stories of, I mean, I even see it like one of my friends just joined a really, really great team. And I know the reason he joined it is just because he started hanging out like in on Twitter in the Angular community. And now he's paired up with like some of the best, right? So it's like, does it help? Does it not? Uh, why do people do this? Like there's so many conversations around open source related to this topic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so uh, what, what, are, what are the outcomes that you're looking for from this? I mean, are you looking for a certain number of bug fixes or a certain number of contributions? Are you looking to have people connect to the core teams? Are there other things that you're really hoping occur from this? 
or is it just fun to get together? Um, it's more for the higher level, uh, making big impactful changes in different frameworks and libraries. So again, bringing in some of the largest consumers of these frameworks and libraries and talking through issues in a way that's constructive. Uh, so hopefully improving the libraries and frameworks in that way. Also, another thing is, yeah, inspiring people to get a view into what happens behind the scenes, I think is interesting. And also trying to create more um, empathy and openness to what we do, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think everybody tries to be transparent and, you know, we all do our best. Like the Angular team, for example, tries to do their best to let people know of these changes and things like that. But you know, whenever a library, uh, like whenever a project is so big, there's going to be a, a big percentage of people who are like screaming, like, oh my God, I did not know this. How come you didn't tell me about this API change? Right. So again, just providing a way for people to, uh, be empathetic and realize that like, we're all humans, we're all working on projects. We're all like trying our best to do awesome things. And like, how do we be better people, more constructive, um, you know, all the warm, fuzzy things that I think are important for us versus like shouting matches on Twitter about why X framework sucks or why this author sucks or whatever. So yeah. for people, oh, I was yeah, just go ahead. Say, yeah, that makes sense. So for the people who are, you know, listening to this and considering applying what is, cause I'm looking at, um, the different questions on the website. As far as uh, like the application process, what are you guys looking for to if people like want to get in? What should they put in their applications to up their chances? We're looking for people who have actually um, contributed to open source before and understand that. So, um, you know, if somebody's like a prolific prolific React contributor and really wants to contribute to Angular or see what's going on there, they already have the tools and the ability to be able to do so and make impactful changes. Um, so having them apply is also going to give, you know, like that cross pollination thing of just getting people who maybe normally wouldn't consider it because they don't have a starting point. Um, I think will be, will be good. Like a lot of, for RxJS, there's a few contributors in Angular who have never done RxJS, but if they're able to see like the issues and have the tools and experience to be able to do that, then then you should definitely apply. Also, just apply in general. I mean, you know, like, who knows, right? Like, we we want to just try to get everybody involved. and Or send an email. Send an email if you are a beginner and want to get started somehow. Like, there's so many different ways that we try to help people um, with that type of stuff. No, do you offer, I'm assuming not, but if people are coming from out of town, are they responsible for all their travel expenses and all that stuff? Or do you have any tips if you get sponsors? Um, no, this is like fully community-based volunteer work. So (laughs) totally. (laughs) Yeah. What does it take to organize something like this? Um, huh. I don't know. Probably just organization. Like, I've done so many events before that um, throwing one together that, uh, I don't know, I get excited about isn't that hard. I don't know. What does it take? I guess, yeah, it just takes like reaching out to people and putting up a website and figuring it out, but probably getting the right people involved is helpful. Um, 
So I make it sound easy, but it's not, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I'm seeing though, is that like on the angular event, um, mm-hmm. there doesn't appear to be, there don't appear to be any sponsors. So if you're, if you've got space reserved in Salt Lake city, I mean, you've got to pay for that up front and things like that. So, you know, are you taking a risk on this or are you hoping that you get sponsors or is it all just going to kind of work out? Do you think? Um, we are looking for a few sponsors to help cover the costs, but most of it, like this is render run under, um, this company called this thought media. And, um, I have a very understanding co-founder who lets me play and spend some company money. So that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's the thing, right? Like when you're passionate about something and when you believe in something, like I really believe in contributing to the open source community, um, in the best way I know how. And most of that is just by organizing people and bringing people together and having like people that support that around you. Um, it's much easier to do things in the community. This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. Engineers have watched over 2 million hours of Frontend Masters videos to upgrade their skills in the latest best practices in frontend development and Node.js. Popular video courses of theirs include courses on Advanced JavaScript, Angular 2, React, API Design with Node, and Functional and Asynchronous JavaScript. Many of their teachers have even been guests on JavaScript Jabber. Check them out at frontendmasters.com. Well, I don't have any other questions about this. Should we talk about this.media for a minute? Um, sure. Or we can talk about, I know Joe initially, we wanted to try to somehow incorporate the crews somehow, like interesting things in the community. Yeah. Well, but that, that's another direction we can definitely go because I mean, the, I don't know, usually when it's a code get together, it's something more along the lines of come and learn, you know, show up and listen to talks. And this is a little bit different. And, and so is NG Cruise. I mean, you know, the venue's different. The the format's a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, I mean, are, are you all about these kinds of non-traditional um, <laughs> things? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Joe, Joe Eames and I are putting together NG Cruise to sort of follow the theme of doing, like, more random interesting things in the community. And quite honestly, sometimes like, like Charles, you've been in the community for quite some time. Like, do you ever just do things because you want to amuse your life? Like just because you're going to do things. So you might as well do things that interest you. Oh, totally. I mean, that's why I go to CES every year, (laughs) you know, they have VR and, um, you know, self-driving cars and all kinds of interesting stuff there. But at the end of the day, you know, the excuse is, oh, there's stuff here that'll interest my audience. But the reality is, is that there's really nothing there that's going to deeply impact anybody. I just like to go and talk to people about cool technology. I think that's kind of the whole thing for NG Cruise for us. And like anything, you know, this JavaScript contributed is it's a, it's, you know, you can, you can do the same thing, right? You can, you can do the meetups, you can do the conferences, but at the end of the day, this is our life. And, you know, if you're spending most of your life uh, focused on things like JavaScript or building your career or whatever, like, Hopefully it's interesting and amusing to you. So NG Cruise is not only um, a thing that we think would be interesting because it's fun, but also like the conversations and bringing together community with like a rock star list of speakers um, for five days is is something we're excited about. Like most conferences, 
I'm sure you guys know, if you stay at the conference hotel, you're more likely to run into random people in the hallways, more likely to have drinks with random people, right? Versus if you stay elsewhere. But with the cruise, you're stuck on a cruise together and there's, there's, there's conference programming and then there's like excursions and there's shows every night and we're all eating dinner together. So that's a really good opportunity to sort of talk to a lot of people that are probably looked up to in the community and hang out with them by the pool and like go to the Bahamas with them and um, we were joking that Mike Brocky works on Angular CLI can probably uh, help us submit a few PR requests that we're <laughs> we're looking for a little few few feature requests. Yep, and I've been eyeing Angular Cruise or Ng Cruise because uh, I'm not going to make it to Ng Conference, so this is my chance to go rub shoulders with all the Angular people. Yeah, um, Ng Cruise is presented by NGConf, so. Since NGConf is fully sold out, we're basically saying, like, hey, come on the cruise. It's also surprisingly um, cheaper than going to a regular conference because all your food's included, mm-hmm. all your, all your like, playtime is included, right? Transportation, everything. Um, and you're basically, like, you're going to spend the cost of the cruise on booking a hotel. So why not have it be a cruise instead? <laughs> yeah, I definitely see that. It's it's not cheaper for me because NGConf is in Salt Lake, and so I can just drive to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yes, <laughs> I definitely see your point. That's the point I make to people about um, the remote conferences, which is kind of another sort of non-traditional thing, is that, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have to pay for the hotel, you don't have to pay for food, unless you want to, but you, know, you don't have to buy airline tickets, you just show up and listen to awesome speakers, and then you get the recordings like right away because they're all recorded on YouTube anyway the second they give them. Yeah, I love what you're doing with remote conferences. I think before we even met, like through JS Jabber, um, I remember seeing remote conf and thinking, like, what a great idea. I mean, to be able to gather so many people together like that and have those conversations. Yeah. Think, why do you do it, by the way? Why, like, do, I why do, do you it? do not? Yeah. Well, um, there were a couple of things. One was that um, initially I went to a podcasting remote conf. And um, it was three nights, two hours a night for two weeks. Um, you know, so there were six nights and there were 12 talks. And it was fun and I got to connect with a bunch of people. Um, but for the most part, it was, hey, look, I can get all these people together without actually making any of them travel. Um, and then I figured out, oh, if I attach a Slack room to it, then they'll actually talk to each other, which is also awesome. Um, at the last remote conf, I actually did a roundtable Google Hangout as well. And so I just... You know, as people showed up, I just rotate people in and out if they wanted to talk. And, um, you know, all of this is just, hey, look, we can totally connect. Um, We can have awesome speakers at the same time. And you don't have to go anywhere. You know, so the cost is $100 or $200, depending on whether or not you get in on the early bird or extra early bird tickets or not. And, I mean, the rest of it's just, hey, look, experts, you know. Um, And you you get all the recordings when it's over and everything else. And... You know, so so I, I I saw that as a payoff, as a way that I could give back to the community, um, and and save people a little bit of money, or give people a chance to participate in some conference if their employer won't pay for it, or if they have some family member that they have to take care of on a regular basis. Because I've gotten emails from people that have attended the conference that basically said, I can't go to conferences because I have a child or a spouse or a parent that I have to take care of full time, and so I can't leave. And you know, so they were able to essentially plug into their computer, and attend the conference and then wind up chatting with the other attendees on Slack 
or, you know, I had a forum before that and, you know, but anyway, they were able to connect with people and they're like, yeah, I mean, it's not quite the same as being there in person, but it's, you know, it's, it's better than nothing. And the fact that I can go, um, and I can rub shoulders with people who are expert enough to actually get selected to speak at a conference is really cool. Right. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. So the payoff for me is usually centers around the people. So it makes a difference for people and that's, that's the payoff for me. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's all about just helping out the community in a way that you get those, you get those warm, fuzzy stories because like, then your life means more than yep. what, whatever else you do, you know? <laughs> well, the podcast is the same way. You know, I go to a conference and somebody comes up and says, um, I was able to make a career change into coding because I listened to your show and then I had answers to, um, interview questions or, um, that's really cool. You know, just stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, you know, I had one guy that told me that he was living out near San Francisco and he basically said, yeah, I got to move from the bad part of town to the good part of town with my kids, you know, cause he made a career change or, you know, just people who feel like they've leveled up or we talk about some soft topic that improves somebody's relationship with their boss. Um, Ruby rogues, we did an episode on depression and I got about a half dozen emails and I still have people come up to me and say, I listened to the episode on depression. I realized that I had a problem and I went and got help and my life is immensely better, you know? And it's, you know, I mean, big payoff, you know, it's like, okay, you know, it matters. Um, I'm not just doing this to, you know, collect sponsorship checks. I'm not just doing this to, um, to be famous. I'm doing this because, Hey, you know, I have people come up to me and tell me that it makes a difference for them. So, you know, all of this, the conferences, the podcasts, if I put out any courses, you know, I'm working on a, a course right now, um, you know, all that stuff is out there so that I can make a difference for people. And sure, I make money on some of it, but I kind of have to in order to pay the bills. So, yeah, I, I feel I feel the same way. I think, I think it's very interesting the way the open source community works. Like if I make code contributions, those are those are like, yeah, you know, you spent X amount of time and it's great. People don't even think, you know they congratulate that. But then I think sometimes, um, when, when I do things just, you know, for the people aspect, right? Like the, the cruise, for example, or any of these other things, um, you know, a lot of times I just spend my own money on it because I believe it's a good thing, right? I believe it's something that's going to be positive, positively impactful and it's something I want to spend my time doing. Um, but sometimes it's a thankless job. Most of the time it's because of those stories here and there that you get, those like warm, fuzzy things. And, you know, I, I really, I recently am spending a lot of time in Raleigh and there's a lot more junior developers that come out versus the Bay area, which are uh, mostly senior developers that come out and that I hang out with mm -hmm. and to see, uh, to see people transform from being so scared and like shaking when they're talking, because, you know, I've sort of like nudged them on stage, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to, um, Right. And it's like, oh, my God, it's the cutest thing ever. Like this one girl was so cute. She just like she just stopped in the middle of her presentation once and just looked at everybody and like waved and said hi. Like yep. She was so nervous. But like to see that type of transformation and to see that type of impact you're able to like have on people um, and make people's lives better. Like that's that's really like the warm fuzzies that I get out of anything I do, really. Yep. Well, is there anything else we should talk about before we do picks? I don't have anything else. Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. 
pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best. Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right. You get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks then. Amy, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure, I'll go. Uh, so the, my first pick is something I actually read this morning as I was skimming through Twitter while I was working out. Um, and it's called How Terrible Code Gets Written by Perfectly Sane People. And I don't know. I like this kind of stuff because I feel like sometimes we can read code and get really frustrated and make a lot of assumptions about the people who wrote it that are not necessarily fair. So if you're like super frustrated, uh, maybe check out this post and you'll get a little bit of empathy. <laughs> and then my food one which is I feel like I always have like something that is food related I went to Trader Joe's this weekend and I got this like amazing tea um this is like probably the best tea I've ever had so it's a uh, ginger turmeric tea I really like ginger so if you really like ginger um this tea is good I feel like some of the ginger tea that I've had is really overpowering and it's just a little bit too much but this one is like a really good balance and because it's from Trader Joe's it's really cheap so that is my food pick for this week, and that's it for me. All right. Uh, I'll jump in with a few picks here. Um, just trying to think of – it's been kind of a crazy week this week. Um, uh, you know, with I hired somebody, which is always a big change in the business. Uh, my grandmother passed away. <laughs> I mean, it was just – this last week has been really, really crazy. Um, but anyway um, – I guess I, I really just want to pick um, just taking care of each other, you know, and it's kind of corny, but whatever, um, you know, my, you know, and, and I guess some of it comes out of just my grandmother, you know, and, and the way that she was, um, which was, you know, her family was, you know, she'd do anything for us. Um, she was a cantankerous old French lady, but she would do anything for us. And, um, you know, just because, you know, you're, you know, the Henri set in your way, stick in the mud kind of person doesn't mean that you still can't go out and contribute and make this a family. And I know that there are a lot of people who have, um, you know, and I keep talking to people who have, you know, different political beliefs or religious beliefs that are different than mine. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there are a lot of things that we have that we can contribute to other people. And I, I think this is a lot what kind of this episode has been about. And so, you know, no matter if uh, they voted for one person or the other, no matter if, you know, somebody believes something different than you, um, they don't get behind the same social causes that you do, you know, let, let's go out there and make this just a great community to be a part of. And then we can figure that other stuff out by listening to each other and talking to each other instead of yelling at each other. Um, and then um, the other pick that I have, I've been playing this game on my phone. Okay, so I went from really deep to really not deep. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, my sister-in-law got me hooked on this game. It's called Game of War. 
And I just play it to kind of, you know, turn my brain off and relax for a little bit. And it's been really nice. So I'm going to pick that as well. Um, and uh, finally, the last pick that I have, this is something that I'm using um, at my desk right now. I got this Anchor um, headphones hook, which obviously my headphones aren't hanging from right now because they're on my ears. But uh, I got these uh, autonomous desks and the desk is 53 inches by, I don't know, 30 inches or something. And uh, anyway, it's just with the mixer and all my monitors and everything else on it, it's just not quite big enough to have a good place for me to hang my headphones. And I tried hanging them all kinds of different places. Well, this hook comes with a glue patch on the top. And so I just stuck it to the bottom of my desk, which is what it's designed to do. And then I just hang my headphones on it and they're out of my way. It cost me 10 bucks. So I'll put links to all those things in the show notes. This one's called the anchor because it's shaped kind of like an anchor. But uh, yeah, super duper nice. Um, and I guess that's a problem you only really have if you have the over the over the ear headphones and a small desk. But that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Um, eventually, I'd like to replace this uh, desktop that's on here with a. They said you can put up to 72 inch desktop on it because the the base for the autonomous desks will expand wider. So um, eventually, I'd like to do that. But for right now, that's I'm on the desk that I got. So anyway, those are my picks. Tracy, what are your picks? So my first pick, which I liked your pick, by the way, like just be nice to each other. That's so important. And sometimes we forget because we get so wrapped up in things. Um, my first pick is jet.com and hot sauce. So I really love hot sauce and I was looking for, um, this one specific hot sauce. That's my favorite. It is the, no, I can't remember the name right now, which is depressing, but anyways, I was trying to find it. So I found six bottles for like $2 each on jet.com. But then what I realized is, um, jet.com has a ton of hot sauces and it's $35. If you spend $35, you get free shipping. So I ended up at buying 15 bottles of hot sauce, um, which <laughs> might be a little overboard, but you know, I got to try all of them. Right. So I would highly recommend going to jet.com and doing that. Um, and if you pick like, uh, you know, slow shipping, which it came in two days anyways, it gives you another X percent off. Um, another hot sauce, which is my favorite, is Palo Alto Firefighters hot sauce. So I would totally check that out if you can. Um, I think same thing with uh, like warm fuzzies, uh, following in your footsteps. Is um, I've been thinking a lot about females and role models and being a female in the tech industry and uh, you know whatever d discrimination I may face. Uh, advantages I may face, um, the different types of females that are in the industry and like everything I hear about this, right. You hear about this at conferences, you hear about this, um, by yourself. If you're a female, you might, uh, experience a few of these things. Um, as men, I feel like a lot of men are trying to help with this, but they're basically called as like, Oh my God, how do I help? I think one thing that I really want to start doing this year is helping all women understand that we are all role models, even if you don't feel like it. And we should like respect each other and lift each other up. And, um, I think a lot of times we as females are looking to have men change their ways, but I think also like we need to like be better at like taking this problem into our own hands and helping lift up all the other females like at the same time. So I haven't really put it all together in my head, but it's, it's something that I feel like we, um, as like, let's say female developers in the industry need to start thinking about like, how do we 
help each other in a way versus uh, just like being okay with the status quo and how do we like step up to be better role models for the the people coming in to the community. And most of that's come from, I have a lot of conversations with, I think uh, more junior level developers or even people going to school. And a lot of them come to me and they say, you know, Hey, I interned at this place and the only female was the project manager and I don't have any role models. Like why, should I do this? Like, should I even be doing this? And that was really depressing to hear or like hearing stories of a woman, like looking through meetup to see if there's any other women coming. So they feel comfortable. Like we need to do a better job at helping each other out in a way. Um, so I don't know, it's like a random call to action, but you know, if you want to talk about it more, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at lady Lee, cause I want to solve that problem somehow or somehow help the cause better than I am. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot said on this and I definitely have thoughts on a lot of the things you said. But the one thing yeah. that I really, really want to call out um, is that you're saying, you know, women need to be role models, women. And I just want to say everybody should be a role model to the people who are coming into the community and the people who we work with. Because ultimately, yeah. um, you know, I, I've met women who went and worked at a place and they didn't feel comfortable there, didn't feel welcome there. They felt, um, you know, all the things that you've heard you know, on the internet about. Mm -hmm. And then I know other women, they go and they work on a team and it's all men, but you know, those guys are, are good to them. They treat them well. They, you know, they feel welcome. They feel like they're part of the team. They feel like they belong there. And I think a lot of it just comes down to how we treat each other. And you know, the, the men have just as much uh, responsibility to be role models as the women, um, you know, um, in, in those difficult situations, I think it, yes, it definitely helps to have another woman that you can look to as a role model or some kind of support. Um, but it's everyone's responsibility to make this a welcoming place. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's amazing, right? Because I think a lot of people don't view themselves as role models, yeah. but like we actually are all role models and we are all examples for what the community perceives, yeah, you well, know? So yeah, every time you no? have a new person join your team, every time you have a new person join the community, I mean, what they see is the new normal for them. And so we're yeah. all role models in that way. It makes me so happy. This is, this is something I'm, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do this in a way that's constructive for us in the future. <laughs> I also, okay, so as I'm talking about this, I'm going to add yeah. my little tidbit here for like 60 yeah. seconds. So the one thing that I would like to add to our little side conversation here uh -huh. is because I, I, I see this happening with a lot of newer developers, friends and stuff like that, is if you come into this field and you have like certain hobbies or passions or, or things that you think don't fit the developer mold, don't feel like you have to change for the industry. I think it's amazing to have all kinds of people with all different backgrounds. Like for instance, the place I work now, I have three women on my team and it is absolutely amazing. I have um, like one of my coworkers is very talented, very smart, and she goes and gets manicures every week. Like that was something when I came into this field, I thought like, you know, developers can't do that. So, and I specifically had people like come up to me from time to time and say, you know, well, if you want to succeed, you know, you really have to like kind of be a, B-I-T-C-H for lack of better words. And I just thought mm -hmm. that was terrible advice. So don't feel like you have to be a certain way to be successful. Yeah. Well, and the community it's misses out you if you're not who you are. Exactly. Exactly. We need all kinds of people from all different backgrounds. So just stay true to who you are and bring that because it just increases diversity, not just like gender and, uh, and race. So. Yeah. Well, and I would argue that 
personal experience and background and the way you think, you know, the diversities in, in those ways are the things that, you know, actually create the measurable differences in, in the work we do. You know, you seeing a solution to a problem that I don't see, you know, it's not because you're a woman or because you're different race than me. It's because you were raised different and you look at things different and you see the problem differently. Um, you know, it's just these external factors, you know, lead us to, you know, see things in different ways and, and color that experience some, you know, so come in, be who you are. And it's, it's, it, we need it. Yep. All right. Virtual hug. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, push this one over the edge. Uh, thank you for coming, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Always well, good to have a girl on the show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up and we'll catch you all next week. Bye.